Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And we're back on the College Football Survivor Show. Doug Maurice, Shahan Jeharaja. I am still in Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. Talking to players, talking to coaches, GMs here in Indy. But we're not really dealing with that right now. We are going to do the second half of a draft we did two weeks ago, Shahan, where we drafted the best offense you could draft of the college football playoff era from the college football playoff teams. So we have 36 teams to choose from. Four teams make it every year. We've had the playoff for nine years. And now we're doing the defensive side. So for the offense, we each drafted 11 players because we, we took two quarterbacks to make it a little more interesting. This time, we're drafting the best 11-man defense you can put together, Shahan, as long as they could play together. So you want to play a 3-4, you want to play three safeties, three corners, I don't know, 3-3-5, three, three, right? Whatever you want to play, you can play it. It just has to make sense that you could run out in a playoff game and put this team, this defensive unit that you're putting together on the field. Is this going to be nuts or weird or fun or what? No, well, I think that last week when we did the offense draft or two weeks, I, I have no idea where I am or what day it is. Uh, but I think that whenever we did the offensive draft, it was very much trying to race each other to get players that we knew were good, right? We knew that we were going to have a certain number of wide receivers. We knew that we were going to have a certain number of quarterbacks. Well, this is different. This is definitely supply and demand. And I, I think that for that reason, our defense are probably going to end up looking a little different. I am, by the way, going to try and keep in mind what your team looks like. So for example, you know, my team, uh, whenever I drafted my offense, I play two tight ends. I have Brock Bowers and Mark Andrews. You know, that's probably something that you at least have to kind of take into account whenever you're drafting for a defense. Now, obviously, look, we're not going to actually play this game. Unfortunately, we can't go back and pull 21-year-old Paris Johnson. Well, I guess that's that's the worst example I could have used. Uh, we, we're not going to go back and pull 21-year-old Ezekiel Elliott out of the ether and, and run a game against uh, each other. But... I, I think that for my purposes, I'm at least going to have some consideration for uh, for matching up against the team that you have. Okay, that makes me more nervous. Now I feel like I should have thought about this more. Uh, <laughs> when we did it last time, you had the first pick. It's not a snake draft. You took you took Brock Bowers, the Georgia tight end number one. Then I took Joe Burrow. Then you took Ezekiel Elliott. Then I took Deshaun Watson and doubled up on quarterbacks right away. That means I'll get the first pick in the defensive draft. And... I do think I'm trying to take into account sort of tiers within positions, right? And I'm trying to think about what positions matter the most. But I really, there are two guys that I really want. And I think I know pretty clearly who I want to take number one. And again, the definition of this is you you had to have played for a team that made the playoff to qualify for it. But then we're not talking about what you did in the playoff. Then it's just that's what the player pool is. But I'm going to make the number one pick a guy who played in the playoff all three of his years in college, was all over the field, can do everything. I think it is hard in a situation like this, Shahan, to completely wipe out what these guys went and did in the NFL. I think it leaks in. It's hard to avoid it, even if it probably shouldn't. I think it leaks a little bit. And so I think this guy is an absolute game changer. And I think for 
the way he played, how good his team was, how valuable he was to his team, I think you could argue that he is the best defensive player in college football in the last decade. And I'm going to take Micah Fitzpatrick from Alabama. Wow. Wow. Okay. He was very high on my board. I didn't have him number one, but I also didn't have him number one because I thought he'd last a little longer than this. So the fact that he played in three playoffs and won two national titles matters to me. But I was just going back, watching Minka Fitzpatrick highlights. He hits, he covers, he's smart, he's physical, he's gone on and done it in the NFL. He won the Thorpe Award as the best defensive back in college football. He he had inter, you know, I had pick sixes. He just and he's incredibly impactful. And I know there's a part of me that thinks, well, you know, you probably should go edge rusher or corner here because that's the way the game works. But I do think he separates. There are good safeties. There are some other like game-changing safeties that I'm very interested in. But I think he's the best one. And I think when I talking about the gaps in between guys at certain positions, I think maybe this gap is as as big as any position because I just think he's different. I think he's special. And so I don't know if it'll come back to bite me later when, you know, the way we're building these teams, but but this was just a guy, the way he plays, I want him as like, I want him as a captain of my defense. So where did you think you about taking him? Maybe I, I thought about taking him, uh, probably like around pick three, like I would have taken him very high to be clear. I think that there's a very good case for him being the number one DB on the board. One question that I did have though, is that in the NFL, he's been strictly a free safety. Obviously later in college, he played a lot of safety. He did also play a lot of cornerback. I, so I was curious too, was he somebody that you kind of just slot in as a safety and, and kind of view him strictly as that? Or do you view that because you pick Minka Fitzpatrick, you're really able to kind of do whatever around him in, in the defensive backfield? Yeah, it's one of those, I think I'm going to play five DBs. So that flexibility helps. And I think I know the corners that I want, but I'm open to it. So I'm also taking him early is going to create that flexibility for me, but I feel good about it. Which, but it sounds like you have somebody else that you would have taken number one, and now you get to get taken at number two. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think for me, so not not to let us in too far to my draft strategy right now. So corner, relatively speaking, is relatively low priority on my board because I feel like there are so many good corners. Um I also think that there's so many good edge rushers. Obviously, to make the college football playoff, you need to have them. And there are, there are five guys at defensive tackle that I feel really good about, and I don't think you're going to take more than three defensive tackles, right? So I feel like I can wait on those. Um, where I don't feel like there's a lot of depth and where I think that it's important that I get it right is that linebacker. I think that there are a handful of really good linebackers. I think there are only a, a couple, though, game-changing linebackers that, that we've seen come through. The other thing, and again, not to get too much into my strategy, but I think that there is a very good chance that I play two true linebackers. Now, we'll get to maybe other players who were listed as linebackers or whatever. I don't, I don't consider those in this context linebackers. I mean true linebackers who are going to be the front of stopping the run. Um, and, and you have Derrick Henry on your, on your fictional team too. So, you know, I really got to make sure that I got guys who can stop the run. So with my number one pick, 
I'm going to go with Roquan Smith from Georgia. That was the other guy I thought about. Those are my top two guys. I thought if I can build a defense with Minka Fitzpatrick and Roquan Smith, two guys who fly around, guys who are leaders, guys who play the game the right way. And I I didn't know the fact that the Bears drafted Roquan Smith. Would that make you more (laughs) likely to take him or would you be mad that they traded him away? Uh, I, I'm trust me. If it's ever a situation where that happens, I'm mad at the Bears because I know it's absolutely their fault. I know that Roquan Smith must have done nothing wrong because the Bears must have screwed it up somehow. But no, I mean he's he's a great player. Uh, again, other great linebackers, but Roquan Smith was just different. He's one of those players. We we've had this conversation back during the Mount Rushmore episode of the uh, about linebackers from the college football playoff. Like he is one of those players that it is a shame that he did not get to win a national championship or it feels unfair that he didn't win a national championship because he is so good. He is a missile. He flies to the ball. Last year, he won the NFL's version of the Butkus Award as the best linebacker in the NFL, uh, even though he played on two separate teams in two different systems. Uh, just just an unbelievable run stuffer, somebody who I think can also cover at a really high level. And again, I, I mean, again, I, I don't think that I need to be coy about it. I'm probably only going to take two true linebackers. And when you play two true linebackers, they better be good. They, they better be guys who can stand up to the challenge and fill gaps and make the right plays. And I think that all respect to the guys who played on Georgia's defense in 21 and 22. I think that Roquan Smith is probably the best defensive player of the Kirby Smart era and really maybe even of before that. So he makes it as part of that Georgia team in... 17 that that uh beat Oklahoma in the semifinal lost to Alabama in the national title game he's the heartbeat of that team I and now I wish I would have taken him number one because I I think it's a great pick I was looking at PFF grades I think he has the second highest PFF grade in a single season in the playoff era among the linebackers that are eligible here but he's just different again he's different I it's not about a PFF grade it's about everything he does and, and I think the thing that did put it over the top for me, even though this isn't exactly what it is, is that Minka Fitzpatrick played in three playoffs. Roquan Smith played in one. That's that's not part of what we're doing, actually. But for a tiebreaker, and it's not Roquan Smith's fault because he's awesome. And I think, again, I think there are How dare here. Roquan Smith not be good enough? I know. <laughs> he should have just carried them to – when they went 7-6 and six in 2016, he should have simply carried them to the college football playoffs. I, I love that pick for you, but it now does leave for me with the third pick a guy that I think you could argue his individual season was as dominant as any defensive player in the playoff era. And it is at a premium position. And I'll take Chase Young from Ohio State for what mm-hmm. he did in 2019. Now, that was the other guy I was considering. So do you think that he is definitely the number one edge guy then on this list, Chase Young? I think there's an argument to be had uh, for one other guy who might come up later. I I guess we'll say I I think that there's an argument for Will Anderson. I think that there is an argument for him. But when you talk about his multi-year success too, when you talk about his dominance, when you talk about how vital he was to Ohio State's system over the course of years. And by the way, I think that's something that we need to, well, I'm sure these conversations are happening in Columbus, but I think that nationally something we need to talk about is Ohio State's defense since Chase Young left has not been the same. 
I, I think that you look at his impact on that team on the playoff, and I really do think that Chase Young has as good a case as any to be the number one edge defensive end, whatever you want to call it. Heisman finalist, which again is rare, not unheard of, but rare for defensive players. Just an absolute game changer, kind of maybe the final evolution of Ohio State defensive ends. They have not gotten back to that. I mean, you can look at what what happened to Ohio State's defense starting in 2020. You can say, well, Jeff Halfley was a one-year coordinator. That's the guy that Ryan Day wanted. He left to be the head coach at Boston College. They really missed him. Or you can say, hey, they don't chase Young. Because X's and O's are nice, but the guys on the field make it happen, and they have missed him. And again, one of the best ways to realize how good a player is is to figure out how much a team misses him when he's gone. And Ohio State is still looking for that. So there were games when it felt like he was unblockable, set the single-season Ohio State record with 16.5 sacks. You definitely, I think, could make a case for him at number one in a draft like this because edge rushers make the world go round. I think you and I both made smart picks partly because there are, we're both going to get two good edge guys in this draft. We're not going to be desperately searching for guys. And that influenced me a little bit. If the gap was bigger here, maybe Chase Young would have been my first pick, but I'm happy to get him here at number three. And I'm glad that we agree that he's the top edge guy here. Pick four to you. I, (laughs) This is interesting. This is an interesting spot. So again, like I mentioned, I think I have a lot of options at cornerback that I really like. The one thing I will mention, obviously, you've got some great receivers. So, you know, I you don't want to wait too long on these cornerbacks, but I think I can wait a little bit longer uh, than this right now. So I mentioned that I was planning on taking two true linebackers, but if there is one thing that I love... If there is one thing that I love, it is a versatile playmaker. Somebody like mm. uh, like a Minka Fitzpatrick that you can line up at different spots, different places on the field that you have to prep for and look for every single play. I'm going to take Isaiah Simmons. I'm going to take Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. Somebody who had moments of I mean again you can line him up at linebacker he's not he's not Roquan Smith he's not uh, running down the you know uh, running downhill and and making plays at the line of scrimmage he's doing everything he's dropping into coverage he's coming off the edge he's uh, just everything he is a Swiss army knife one of the I think most interesting players that Clemson had across their run they're they're better probably individual talents you could argue but I don't think that anybody was uh just the dynamic playmaker that Isaiah Simmons was, you know, 104 tackles, 16 and a half tackles for loss and eight sacks in his final season and three interceptions and eight passes defended by the way, which is just, that's insane. That is insane to have that collection of stats, to be able to make plays on that many uh, levels of the field. So Look, he's not a, a true linebacker, I guess you'd say. So maybe that's going to be a conversation with myself that I'll need to have later. But I think that he is just such a difference maker as a stand-up rusher. I think he can, you can put a hand down and rush as well if you need him to. He can play linebacker if you need him to. He can play coverage. He is just one of those players who I think uh, that there is no analog for. You can't replace him with somebody else. So I'm going to take him number four. And it's it's surprising to me that he didn't go to the NFL and set it on fire in the same way because he there's there's nobody like him. There's there's nobody like him. He's a unanimous All American, and he had a pick on Justin Fields 
in that playoff game in 2019 where he intercepted him on the sideline. And it was one of those plays where it's like, well, there's nobody else in America who makes that play because how can a guy that big go that far to make that play? And so there, there's nobody like him. So I'll be curious to see where you wind up playing him. He can be a safety. It can be a linebacker. He'll pair nicely with Roquan Smith. He definitely was, was very high on my list, and I think it's a good pick here. But that will leave me to take the top corner. And I will be curious if we have the same top corner. Because I don't think it's as obvious as Roquan Smith as the number one linebacker, Minka Fitzpatrick as the number one safety, or Chase Young as the number one defensive end. And I'll actually be curious if we have the same number one defensive tackle or not. But I'm going to take a guy who, in his playoff year, showed us the beginning of what he could be. And then the rest of his college career, we didn't really get to see as much of it as we thought we were going to. But what he did as a freshman was enough to make him a top five pick in the NFL draft. And I'm going to take Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU, who, as a true freshman in 2019, started all year, was all SEC was a consensus first-team All-American, I think led the SEC in interceptions, was just like a remarkable, like a remarkable first-year player. And then he got hurt, and stuff went a little bit sideways, and he wound up in the 2022 NFL draft where he was the third overall pick. And a lot of it is based on what he did as a freshman. He had six interceptions as a freshman. So I felt pretty good making him the number one corner, but I don't think it's a hundred percent for sure. Was he your top corner? He was not. And actually I'm going to uh, let, let's play off these picks together. So you pick Derek Stingley as your number one corner. I'll take my number one corner. I'm taking sauce Gardner from Cincinnati and two guys who came out of the draft in the same year, two guys who are both picked in the top five, uh, Derek Stingley, had a nice season, got hurt again, unfortunately. And, and injuries are the worst reason, of course, to like to, to not credit a player because Derek Stingley is incredibly good. But Sauce Gardner has been the rookie that everybody's looking at and wondering where this came from and realizing, oh, wait, maybe he's just really good. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that Cincinnati secondary was onto something with having this kid in the secondary. He won defensive rookie of the year in the NFL. Again, not relevant. Doesn't matter that he was first team all pro. That's not the point, but was an incredible college player. He was such a good college player that he won uh first team all AEC honors three times, of course, consensus all American, but he was actually so good that teams stopped targeting him so much that they were like, we're going to throw to the Thorpe Award winner instead. We're going to throw at Kobe Bryant instead so that we don't have to throw at you, Sauce Gardner. And I was actually very struck by getting to see him play up close and personal against Alabama in the uh, in the college football playoff in 2021 at the Cotton Bowl. Because, yes, Alabama was able to, generally speaking, move the ball on the ground at will, so why go away from it? But they also weren't able to pass the ball when they wanted to with Bryce Young. Like they really did a good job of making things difficult in the secondary. And a huge part of that was what uh, you saw Sauce Gardner able to do against John Mechie with Jamison Williams out. So I think that he is the, the number one corner to me. There are other guys on the list who I feel really good about. And I'm sure I'm going to get at least one of those guys later. But to me, 
he was cornerback one for me. And, uh, and again, I think that we kind of got to have this argument play out in real time in the NFL with it, with how their first seasons went. And sauce was my number two corner. Was Stingley your number two corner? He was not. The injury stuff bothers me. The injury stuff bothers me. And I also, I mean, there's a couple guys on this list who I think are real, real difference makers and, and maybe guys who didn't have as huge an impact on the playoff, but who I still think were really good and really special to the point that, uh, that I would probably consider taking them over him. Okay. Those are our first six picks of this draft. Let's take a break, come back, start building the rest of our team. Curious to see how this goes. I want to get more difficult from here. We'll do it next on the college football survivor show. Previously on the College Football Survivor Show. Here's what I'd kind of settle our two views down to. So I I think that your perspective is these programs matter, and so they should have a place. Like, we shouldn't just leave Florida State behind. We shouldn't just leave Oregon behind. Whereas I think my perspective is I think that the Big Ten and SEC understand that they get to make that choice. These schools aren't independently just important because they have a birthright to be. They're, these schools are important because it's been decided so by television networks over history, by you know ratings and stuff like that, and that can be taken away. These schools are programs that are a product of circumstance. They have been given a lot and given benefits to be able to compete at the highest level, but there is nothing intrinsic to those programs that means that they have to continue to be good into the future. Catch the latest episode of the College Football Survivor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Doug Lamarie's back with Shahan J. Haraja. <sighs> so I, I, there are a couple guys here where I almost want you to make the decision. And because of how I think I'm going to play, and just with some of my, I don't know, there's just some dudes. Sometimes I just want dudes because I think they're dudes. Is that how football works? You just get in a mood sure, for dudes. Sure. Why not? I'm in the mood for dudes. Oh boy! So I can't. I can't help it. I just liked this guy, and he's from the first playoff in 2014, and maybe, and his team didn't win it. But I thought he was a huge difference maker. And I thought he was a dude. And I'm going to pair up some Bama safeties, and I'm going to take Landon Collins. That was my next pick. That, that was my next pick. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Isn't he a dude? <laughs> He's like, I put put him on the Roquan Smith, Minka kind of thing of he does everything. He's a leader. Yes, Bama didn't win it that year, but he led them in tackles. I think he tied for the team lead in interceptions. And he's just a guy you want on your team, isn't he? Absolutely. And the other thing that I liked about him, especially with the way that our teams are building up right now, is I again, I'm probably going to, you know, I don't know if I'm going to take another linebacker next to Roquan Smith and Isaiah Simmons. Landon Collins is one of the hardest hitting safeties that you will find. He's played some linebacker in the NFL as well. He is somebody who is going to get up there and get in your face in run defense as well. He, he just has incredible speed. He's so physical, but he's still a great coverage player as well. Um, and, and by the way, I, I think that you 
obviously you've taken two safeties. This is not, I don't think, the deepest position uh, safety. I, I think that this is a relatively shallow position. And I think that you got probably the two best ones of the college football playoff era in two Alabama safeties. So definitely somebody that I was hoping to get with my next pick. And, and I like it quite a bit. Thank you. I feel good. It makes me feel good when uh, I take guys that you wanted to take. Okay. I'm curious to see if you if you make a decision at another position here because I'm in between on some guys and I want to see what you do. So who are you picking eighth? Sure. So now we're in a position. So what I've got right now, I've got two linebackers in Roquan Smith and Isaiah Simmons. I've got my cornerback one in Sauce Gardner. Um, Again, I would have gone Landon Collins for sure next. Still have some safeties that I'm considering here. I haven't taken a single defensive lineman yet, but part of that is just that I believe that there are so many good ones that I don't need to rush that I don't need to again I I feel like there are five defensive tackles who there are some that are better than the others but I don't think that they're necessarily different enough that I need to rush into it I think there are plenty of good edge rushers this is tough I think this makes this really tough I especially with the Landon Collins pick I think that I need somebody who is going to back me up and run defense so I'm going to slot Isaiah Simmons at edge instead of at linebacker. And I'm going to take the other great Georgia linebacker. I'm going to take N'Kobe Dean. Oh, you're doing that to me. Yeah. So I'm going to lock up, I think, the two best run defense uh, linebackers of the entire college football playoff era. Obviously, two incredible Georgia players. N'Kobe Dean, uh, you know, look, he had shoulder issues. He fell in the draft. He's a little small. None of that's relevant to him as a college football player. He was an incredible college football player. To me, the heart and soul of the 2021 Georgia defense, I think that he was maybe the best player on the team, you could argue, that year. And, I mean, again, Roquan Smith and Kobe Dean stopping the run, that is that is not fair. That shouldn't be allowed. I, I think that that is as good a combo as you're going to find. And, and, look, I'm going to get another great pass rusher to pair next to Isaiah Simmons as well. And I like the fact that I can show some different looks with Isaiah Simmons also as a stand-up player as well. So I like my trio. It might cost me later, especially at that safety position. But uh, but I think that, you know, it's like with tight ends. I kind of locked down, I felt like, the position with Brock Bowers and with Mark Andrews. I, I think that I'm locking down the linebacker position with Roquan Smith and Nicobe Dean. He was definitely my third linebacker. So... I had Simmons listed as a linebacker, so those are my top three linebackers. My linebackers were Roquan, Simmons, and Dean in that order. So you took them all. So you are going linebacker heavy, although you're moving Simmons around. I'm going safety heavy, and we're kind of sticking it to each other, which is what we enjoy doing here. That's a really good pick. Again, I feel like Nicobe Dean was the heartbeat of that team. Hugely high PFF grade, and as many good players were on that defense – and as much as Georgia dominated the NFL draft last year because of that, and as much as Nicobe Dean fell in the draft, he was the heartbeat of that defense. It was a defense first team that he was the leader of. And again, that's why I talk, I talk about all the time. Like I voted Manti Teow as my Heisman winner in 2013 because I thought he was the leader and the heartbeat of a defense on a defense first team. And it's like, well, that is like you're the quarterback. It's like Nicobe Dean. Now, we can't take him in this draft because it wasn't the playoff era, but it's like, no offense to Stetson Bennett, it's like Nicobe Dean was the quarterback of Georgia because he was the quarterback of the defense and they won because of the defense. So I, I slow played linebacker a little bit and, and you swooped in there. And I think Nicobe Dean is a 
great pick. And by the way, with these last two picks, I kind of like how this unfolded. The first six picks up through Sauce were six different teams. So we were spreading it around. And now these last two picks, we've doubled up Bama, we've doubled up Georgia. But this draft started Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, LSU, Cincinnati, which I think gives us all a pretty good flavor of the playoff. I do have to mention one thing real quick, uh, which is that the guy from Big 12 country is like, I'm going to get the physical guys and mash you. And the guy from Big Ten country is like, need to run fast, need to to have guys who can man up and and play uh, free safety and all this sort of thing. So I'm kind of enjoying that. Yeah, we we're uh, we can surprise each other still, Shahan. That that keeps it fresh for us as a podcast couple that we can still surprise each other. Okay, there's a pick that I want to make that act might not be playoff enough based. It might be coolness based. So I'm not going to let myself do it yet because I think it would be slightly unfair given what the actual parameters of this draft are. And instead, I still, I'm going to make you pick the other one. I'm going to pick the guy that I think is the best at his position in the playoff era, and then we can have a brief conversation about him, and it's Jalen Carter. So I will take Jalen Carter from Georgia at defensive tackle. And am I a 1,000% sure that he's the best defensive tackle? No. There's actually a guy that I, in my own head, have started to make a very strong case for here. But I don't want to get bogged down in this because by the time people hear it, information will have changed. But as we record this on Wednesday night, I am at the Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. Jalen Carter was supposed to be among the interviews on Wednesday because defensive linemen were speaking. Instead, he did not do his media session. And he had said on his social media account, police had said this, that he is believed to be heading back to Georgia because there is an arrest warrant for him tied to the tragic deaths of two members of the Georgia football family one player and one recruiting staffer that happened on the wee hours of January 15th after Georgia's national title celebration. And police are now alleging that Jalen Carter was racing with the car that crashed and killed two people. The driver of that car, police said, had a blood alcohol two to three times the legal limit. It was a, it was a tragedy. We knew it the minute. It, I mean, as soon as it came out that it, this was a celebration and it led indirectly, but to the death of two young people is just awful. We all know that. But we got more information about it, and there is now going to be a discussion about the Georgia football program. It was a car that was rented by the university. It was supposed to be used for football business or university business, and it was out at 2.30 in the morning not doing that. And there are going to be questions around Jalen Carter. So we can let this play out. I've, I wrote something today about, listen, this is – the Georgia football program has to get a handle on this. They have to answer some questions about this. But the direct thing, Shahan, is Jalen Carter and his future and his football future. And it is remarkable – and again, it's an allegation at this point. The police are saying this. And the, the charges for him for reckless driving and racing, these are charges. This has not been proven. And he said that he is confident that he will exonerate himself, that this is not – he says this is not what actually happened. But this is arguably the best player in the 2023 NFL draft, two-time national champion, who police are alleging 
was involved in a situation that led to the death of two people, including one of his teammates. That, not that he was driving that car, but if they were racing each other down the street, it is unbelievable to think about, Shahan, that somebody this talented and this high profile could be involved in something this unbelievably tragic. And we don't know what's going to happen, but it sent a shockwave through the combine today. I know that. Yeah, just just an awful situation. I, I mean, just the kind of thing that you don't become a college football writer to write about and hope that you ever have to hear. Uh, you know, certainly I have some very serious questions about the way that this has been handled from an Athens police perspective, from a Georgia football perspective. Uh, I, I pray that <laughs> that at the end of this, Jalen Carter's exonerated because this is just horrible, right? Like I, I want this to not be the case, but it certainly doesn't seem to be heading that direction, right? And the fact that it took this long, and by the way, took an AJC story, uh, an Atlanta Journal-Constitution story, for any of this to come out, that that the police department was this unforthcoming about what's gone on, even though the night of the crash, they seem to have some understanding that this wasn't just a one-car crash that just happened. I, I mean, it is just top to bottom, awful, horrible, uh, unacceptable, I, I think that we have to say. It is a tragedy, but it also, there are a lot of people who are also at fault in, in this situation. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, again, it's infuriating. And, and uh, you know, I, I thank the AJC reporters for staying on it and doing their due diligence mm-hmm. and getting the truth out there. And uh, I look forward to Jalen Carter having his day in court. And, and I, you know, and, and I look forward to the system doing its job. But this is just, you know, it, it's horrible and tragic beyond words of course and uh and i just want to make clear too for any college football fans that you know think that their program or whatever is being dragged through the mud i want to be clear the best thing that could have happened is all the information coming out when it should have the slow release of this information is going to make things worse not just for jalen carter who's really not the important person in this situation at all right it's the two people who were killed it's the two people who were injured uh you know and and this is going to be worse for all of those people as this slowly slowly comes out and uh and again so just let this be a lesson that that it really is better to just tell the truth from the start so you have nothing to hide so that's a very Unbelievably sad and tragic and important real-life discussion. This is a football podcast. We're doing a football draft. And from a football perspective, the, the thing that really resonates from a football perspective is this guy is rare. This guy is special. This guy just got drafted as the best off the best defensive tackle to take part in the college football playoff in nine years. And this is happening to him. And so the lives lost trump and dwarf anything that could happen to someone's career. But this is an extraordinarily talented football player whose football future is at least in question at the moment. But from a football perspective, do you think he is the best defensive tackle? I think there's a very good case for that. I I think that I think I probably would say that he's the number one defensive tackle, especially if you're going with a true interior defensive tackle. Right. I, I think that I might get a little cute with it whenever we get time to, uh, to, uh, to put together a full defensive line. But I think that if you want to line up a guy in run defense to be disruptive in the middle, 
Jalen Carter's as good as they come. Certainly, uh, you know, we'll have a conversation probably about Jordan Davis. There's a couple other guys from that Clemson defensive line, a couple guys from Alabama who I think are probably up on that list as well. But like you said, there there aren't many players like Jalen Carter and to move the way that he does at the size that he is. So I think that he is a very deserving number one defensive tackle pick. Okay, that was pick number nine. You're up for pick number 10. So I'm going to pick somebody who I think has the ability to be versatile, who gives me the ability to go in different directions when I do get further into my draft board. Like I said, I, I don't feel the need to pick a true nose tackle or something like that. Um, I'm going to go with Jonathan Allen from Alabama. So mm. primarily played defensive end during his time uh, at Alabama, but also played some, uh, he played a lot of three technique, for example, right? He He's played a little bit more defensive tackle in the NFL. I think that depending on who's available to me, I could move him inside or I could have, uh, you know, just something different. So I think that he's somebody who gives me a lot of versatility there. And, and I don't have, uh, sort of a defensive lineman who's going to get after the quarterback at this point. And by the way, if I do move him inside, if I do play him at more of a defensive tackle, I like the idea of that interior lineman still being a dynamic pass rusher. So, uh, you know, somebody who can collapse the pocket from the inside out. He's not the run defender that Jalen Carter is, not even close because Jalen Carter's one of one. But I think that he gives me a lot of versatility to build the rest of my defensive line. No, I like that. When you said there's a versatile guy, I, I had a different guy in mind, but I think this is a good pick. I had him in my top four for one of the defensive line spots, so I definitely think he's er, he deserved to be picked here. Uh, all right, I'm going to let myself make the cool pick, and you can yell at me if you want to. So I'm going to go with somebody who was a very good player for a playoff team. And then he was a better player the next year when his team didn't make the playoff. And then he was better after that when he went to the NFL. But he was very good in the playoff. And that's what we're talking about here. And I'm taking Jalen Ramsey from Florida State. At corner, you know, this is going to be a little reputational of what he has become, how famous he is, how extraordinary he is in the NFL. But... He made 80 tackles for Florida State as a sophomore in 2014 when Florida State made the playoff. And by the way, in 2013, when it didn't count, he started as a freshman then too and made a bunch of plays for a team that won the national championship. And then he was – so it's sort of like he's in between – like national champion as a freshman, then 14 is what gets him in here, but 15 is when he's even better. But I feel good about it. And there's two other corners. I listed five corners that I felt comfortable with. I just am reaching for juice a little bit here and a little bit to get a guy, get another team in the mix here in Florida state. But also he wasn't a first team all American in 2014. It was a second team all American. He wasn't a consensus or unanimous first team all American in 2015. So I'm fudging it a little bit, but man, he's Jalen Ramsey and I want him. Yeah, no, I, he was somebody who I knew he'd get drafted. He was somebody who maybe I thought I could get a little cute with it uh, down the road. Uh, but I like this pick a lot. I think that this pick makes a lot of sense. I think that he is one of the best players that's come through college football, obviously, in the last little while. It does hurt the fact that he wasn't uh, at his best whenever they made the playoff run. But 
He was a great player. I mean, I don't think that anybody would say that 2014 Jalen Ramsey wasn't awesome. And so uh, I, I think that that's a pick that makes a lot of sense. So uh, definitely one that I that I had down my list. I will say I have nine cornerbacks who I'm considering. So that's why I don't oh, feel wow. okay. all that pressured to to make a decision right this second. But uh, but I, I like it quite a bit. Um, and you know what? I, I'm gonna go and take a I'm gonna go and take another one of my own. Actually, another cornerback. I'm going to go with Jeffrey Okuda. Jeffrey Okuda, one of the most important players on that 2019 team uh, for Ohio State. Okuda and uh, and Chase Young, I think, are two players that Ohio State has never been able to replace in some ways. Um, and he goes number three in the NFL draft. I think he's he's only been pretty good in the NFL, but that's not, again, not relevant to our point here. Uh, just a total force of nature at the cornerback position on a 2019 playoff team. Uh, somebody who I think is absolutely built to lock down uh, opposing wide receivers at the college level. I'm pairing Sauce Gardner and Jeffrey Okuda at cornerback. I feel really good about that. <laughs> that That is, uh, I mean, I've got Jeffrey Okuda as my number two corner on this team. That That's pretty special. I, I feel good about that. So um, incredible athlete. Doesn't hurt, by the way, that uh, that I'm picking one of my boys from DFW, South Ground Prairie, stand up, and uh, yeah, so so Akuda's my next pick. Yeah, def- second best player on that Ohio State defense in 2019, no doubt about it. Number three pick in the draft. Some injuries early on played better it, last year with the Detroit Lions. Had a better year last year. Started to show what he can be, and in that long line of Ohio State corners, it's just like a classic guy. He really started to lock it down late in the 18 season, and then 19 he was great all year. So. He, I put five corners to consider, and he was one of the five. So I think that's a really good pick right here for you. Okay, I'm going to take this guy that I that I just kind of want, and I'm between two guys for this last spot that I need, but I'm going to take him. I'm going to take Quinnen Williams from Alabama at defensive tackle. Outland Trophy winner in 2018, had just that big, huge year in 2018. Tackles for loss. Just dominant inside. And so I'll say it's a bit of a coin flip for me between Williams and Jordan Davis here. But, and by the way, Jordan Davis won the Outland too. So like there's, it's, it's very thinly sliced here. I, I just thought Quinnen Williams like was just as great as Jordan Davis was like, he felt unmovable to me his last year in college, like just, you didn't know what to do with this guy. He just dominated with his presence on the field. So, and that way I won't have two Georgia defensive tackles. So I'll take Williams. No, makes a lot of sense. I mean, Quinn Williams, just an incredible, incredible player. Uh, somebody who I think a great athlete moved very well for his size. And I think that he compliments Jalen Carter pretty well too. He's a little bit more, I think of like a space filler, maybe you could call it. Whereas Jalen Carter's a little bit more, uh, maybe active, I guess you could say. So I think that it's a good pairing. I think that they'll pair where, well with a uh, Chase Young. I'm going to do something weird that I didn't expect to do. I am going to take two stand up edge rushers because Will Anderson is still on the board. And I, I just, I think that we're at the point where I just have to take him. There's too much value there to not take him. So I've got Isaiah Simmons screaming from one side. I've got Will Anderson from the other. 
I guess I'm going to only end up having two defensive linemen, like truly, because both Isaiah Simmons and Will Anderson were, were linebackers. But I also love the versatility they bring. I think that Will Anderson, uh, again, somebody who can also drop back into coverage, somebody who can play in the middle just a little bit more as well. Just too much value remaining. And I think that he's versatile enough and flexible enough that I still think I can do a lot of fun things with him. So Will Anderson, uh, you are a member of my team, of which doesn't have a name. So I I'm okay with Will Anderson lasting this long. He was great. He was great 2 years ago. And then Bama didn't make the playoff this year and his stats weren't quite as good. He was at the combine today saying like, "Hey, like if you think I wasn't as good this year, you're crazy." It's like it's just stats, man. And and then everyone's double teaming him and that kind of thing. So, it's not like Will Anderson wasn't still a great player, but he really did have that absolutely nut season as a sophomore on a team that made the national title game but didn't win the national title. So, I and there's there's three other guys here. There's some guys that aren't going to get picked. Now, with the way you've built your team, and I am actually trying to figure out. So you kind of there's an there's an edge rusher question that I wanted you to answer, and you kind of flipped down to the outside linebacker and put him at edge and like answered it by not answering. So you're going to make me answer it, but I I think this is a really good pick. But if anybody if any Bama people are offended that he lasted this long, um, don't be. It's sort of circumstantial. We think he's great. We were trying to get this guy to win the Heisman th- this last season. We were we were trying to get everyone to bet money on Will Anderson for the Heisman. So we're no one here is doubting Will Anderson. No, I mean, and frankly, I think that a big part of Will Anderson not having as big a season as I think all of us thought is that Alabama's defense around him, I think, couldn't make teams pay the way that they needed to whenever teams did double team him or whenever they did just go to the other side of the field. Like Alabama just wasn't that good this year, which is a weird thing to say about Alabama and a team that still won whatever, 11 games. But I I think that it's totally fair to say that Will Anderson's last season was a slight disappointment. Also, he played on a national championship team and another team that made the national championship game and had the best stats that we've ever seen from an Alabama uh, defensive player really ever. Uh, So I still feel perfectly comfortable, even if it was just his second season, I'd feel comfortable taking that. And I think that he still gave us more than that. So uh, I'm going to be very curious now heading into this process. And again, uh, the Jalen Carter stuff aside, because that's just so irrelevant to football right now, I'm going to be curious to see whenever we get to workouts, whenever we get to draft time, how is Will Anderson seen? Because there was a time that it was like, Will Anderson might be the best individual player at any position we've ever seen. I think that maybe we've overcorrected a little bit. So I'm curious where we fall in the middle. Because it. It's always interesting because if you're quarterback needy, you're quarterback needy. So top non-quarterback is really the discussion. And when you think about guys that have gone there, I've been curious to see whether the the top non-quarterback in this draft would be Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. And from a straight-up football discussion, I think you could make very strong cases for either of them. And then maybe you think about how you scheme up your defense and need and that kind of thing. And now it may become more than just a football discussion. But I, so right now, if you're asking me, I would say I think Will Anderson will be the first non quarterback drafted, maybe third, 
that kind of thing. Because I do think if you think about have these have these pass rushers that have been drafted high, what has happened with them? Have they been game changers? And, you know, some of them have. This is where you find super impactful dudes. So I'll just go and take the guy that was basically in this spot a year ago, and I'll take Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan as my other defensive end. Finished second in the Heisman, number two overall draft pick, had a good rookie year for the Detroit Lions. I do think I want to mix it up a little bit and, and get some other teams represented here. We have not taken a Michigan guy yet. He made Michigan. Now, the great thing about Michigan and everything to Michigan's credit is they came back and made the playoff again without him. But I think if you, if whatever this is for Michigan, whether it's a remarkable two-year run or the start of a remarkable decade, when you go back and say, who started it? I think Aiden Hutchinson is at the front of the line when it comes to players. He had a belief, he stuck around, and he had an unbelievable final season in Ann Arbor that set the tone for that entire team. That again, they ran the ball great, but they were a defense first team. They were a physical team. And it started with Aiden Hutchinson, and we saw what he did against Ohio State in that win in Ann Arbor two seasons ago. And I think maybe he should have gone higher in this draft than this. He was an absolutely remarkable college football player, and he he drove. He didn't have to – I wouldn't say he carried Michigan to the playoff, but he drove Michigan to the playoff. Now, they got there, and they didn't win. They got there, and they lost to Georgia. So maybe that's why, well, you're not – as high on the list as Micah Fitzpatrick, who played in three playoffs. But man, Aiden Hutchinson like turned around a program, and he's great. So I'll take him here. No, I think that's a, a perfectly good pick. I mean, I think that for me, I catch myself at times, maybe, I, I guess you might say like stylistically biased against what he does. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that he is somebody who wins so much with technique and strength and great hands. And I probably don't give that enough respect as opposed to somebody who wins with, uh, you know, first step or burst or that kind of thing. Right. I mean, he, he had nearly 10 sacks as a rookie in the NFL was one of the best rookies for sure. Uh, outside of sauce Gardner in the entire league, going to be a fantastic, fantastic pro. I, I think that maybe I unfairly cap his upside sometimes because I mean, he did have, 14 sacks at Michigan. And like you said, one against two tackles who are going to be NFL starters at, at Ohio State as well. So uh, I think a really good pick. And, and I think that, uh, that definitely he would be on the list. Now, I think that now that we have gone through probably all the edge rushers we're going to take, certainly considered, uh, one of the Bosa's. Joey Bosa would probably have been my, my next up. Uh, I, I think that there's a couple of Clemson guys also at edge who I was very curious about. Shaq Lawson, Vic Beasley. I mean, Vic Beasley, I think, was a – he was in the playoff, right? Did he make the playoff? Yeah, I think he made – maybe I'm remembering wrong. Anyway, Shaq Lawson definitely did is the point. Uh, Cleveland Farrell is somebody who went higher. I'm not the biggest Cleveland Farrell fan, if we're being perfectly honest. But uh, So, so I will say when you said you were taking a versatile guy, I thought you were talking about Cleveland Farrell. For a guy who, who sort of is an, 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 an end and a tackle, I think we then unfairly look at Cleveland Farrell because Mike Mayock overdrafted him with the Raiders. <laughs> fair, right? fair, fair. And it's like, yeah. oh, 
Well, that guy shouldn't have been the fourth pick in the draft. It's not his fault. He was a great yeah. college player who was yeah. part of Get multiple, money, multiple playoff teams. I was choosing between Hutchinson and Joey Bosa. That was that was my consternation there because Joey Bosa was an absolute driving force of the first college football playoff national champion. And as much as Ezekiel Elliott was a driving force on the offensive side of the ball for a ridiculously talented team on both sides, Joey Bosa all year, I think it was 13 and a half sacks, consensus All-American as a sophomore, just an, just an unbelievable year, and they aren't who they are. Ohio State's not what it was in 2014 without Joey Bosa. So I'm sure there were people listening who were like, what, Aiden Hutchinson instead of Joey Bosa? And again, that gets into a little bit of like, I don't know, Joey Bosa have a little better bend around the edge? Probably. Aiden Hutchinson drove his team to the playoff and was the number two pick in the draft. Joey Bosa drove his team to the playoff and was the number three pick in the draft. I don't know. It's like a coin flip. And so I just kind of wanted to get Michigan on the board maybe. But I do think Joey Bosa probably absolutely belongs on one of these teams, but probably so does Cleveland Farrell because we have not had a lot of Clemson representation yet. And they, as much as their quarterbacks have been great in the playoff era, man, they've put some really good defenses on the field too. Yeah, and actually, it's like you said, it's just kind of a product of like the circumstance of how – we're drafting and shaping our teams. Like the fact I could get Isaiah Simmons so early and then Will Anderson was still there, right? Like if I hadn't, then I think, uh, you know, somebody, cause, cause I'm the only one with a defensive lineman left. So I feel like I can talk about this, whatever. Uh, you know, Christian Wilkins, somebody I was very seriously considering taking Dexter Lawrence, somebody who I was very seriously considering taking just the way that the team is structured. I don't think I'm going to go in that direction, but all of them are guys who are clearly among the top 22 players that we'd be talking about as defensive players in the playoff era, but we're drafting a team. We're drafting a team to go out and play. So it it changes things up a little bit. All right. So that's the next pick to you at number 16. All right. Next up, I, I think that I have to finally take more defensive backs and I'm going to go with somebody who, I keep using this word versatile. I love versatility on defense because I think that it just gives you the ability to line up in different ways, to match offenses, to to attack people in different ways. Maybe I've been watching too many Dave Aranda TED Talks and uh, and love rushing from the linebacker position. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I'm going to go actually with one of Dave Aranda's favorite players that he's had. I'm going to go with Grant Delpit as a safety. Okay. Thorpe Award winner. Somebody who played some nickel, somebody who played some safety. I think that I have some flexibility to play Grant Delpit at either spot. I I think that he's somebody who you can line up one-on-one against a receiver and he can take him out of a game or you can put him down the field. And I think that he's just as effective. Didn't have his best year during the playoff year in 2019, I'd argue, even though he won the Thorpe Award, which is a whole other thing. I don't know, man. I don't know how they do these things sometimes. But uh, but I think a really solid career overall and uh, a versatile guy who I think uh, can make plays at all three levels of the field. So I, I like Grant Telpit there. Yeah, he, he won the Thorpe based off what he did the season before. I think that is a totally fair thing to say. His reputation got him the Thorpe, but he was really good that previous year. But I do that affected me a little bit because I felt like maybe his playoff year wasn't the best version of him. But it's a good pick. He was on. He actually, I had four safeties on my list. He didn't. 
he wasn't on that list for me, but it's probably because of that version of like, when was he at his best? When did his team make the playoff? Was he a very, very good college football player? Absolutely. And I do think he gives you some versatility there. All right. We have six picks left. We'll wrap these up next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Okay, so that's a safety for you. I'm going to go ahead and take my last safety. And I'm going to decide who it is as I talk. Because I guess maybe they're similar and they're both excellent. And I will say both of them lost their first playoff game. And so how does that matter? I'm probably going to lean familiarity bias here. And maybe it's wrong, but I'm going to take Malik Hooker from Ohio State and put him in center field. So that 2016 defense got torched by Deshaun Watson in the playoff when they went and played. And that 2016 Ohio State secondary included Marshawn Lattimore, included Denzel Ward. It was a high level, talented secondary. And it didn't matter because they lost 31 to nothing. But Malik Hooker was as rangy a safety as I've seen, I think. And so I'll say... The guy I picked him over was Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. And I don't know what to think about that. Like, I think maybe I'm wrong. And maybe it's because I watched Malik Hooker play every snap in 2016 and I did not watch Kyle Hamilton play every snap. But I also kind of like the idea of Nick Fitzpatrick as sort of a hybrid safety corner. I can put Landon Collins in the box and put Malik Hooker at deep safety and tell him to cover sideline to sideline. And I feel like we're good to go. But Hamilton and Hooker were the last two safeties I was choosing between here. And I'll take Malik Hooker from 2016 Ohio State. No, no and I'll go the other direction. I'll, I'll take Kyle Hamilton. I definitely, I definitely hesitated with this pick because I think you know Kyle Hamilton had a little bit of an injury plagued career, but when he was healthy and he played healthy on a playoff team, like you mentioned, he's just so rangy. He he is somebody. I remember watching a, a film cut up of him. I think from 2020 where. Like they went, he was lined up. I mean, this is podcasting is a very visual medium, of course. Uh, you know, he was like lined up like far on the left side of the field and they threw a screen to the right and he made the tackle across the entire field. And it just, it just felt unreal. It, it was just one of those plays that you never see. And when, uh, whenever Notre Dame was playing too, I mean, he was just one of those players that they didn't throw in his direction at all. They, they did not try him after a while. They tried to go as far away as possible. Um, I, I loved Kyle Hamilton. I think that there was a very good case that you could make that he was the best player coming out in the 2022 uh, NFL draft. And, and he had a good first year. I think that obviously recovering from the injury played a part in, in some of his struggles, but uh, just an unbelievable player again in 2020 had probably his best year playing for Notre Dame during the uh, pandemic year when they did beat Clemson the one time and, and played them again in the college football play or, or played again in the college football playoffs. So uh, I like Kyle Hamilton a lot. He fills, I think, that free safety mold for me. I, I think I am going to keep Grant Delpit at, at strong safety because I don't actually – I don't love the strong safety options, if I'm being honest. That's why I kind of wanted Landon Collins. I felt like he was like the one true downhill strong safety on the board. I think that Grant Delpit's probably going to fill that role for me. But Kyle Hamilton is uh, you know, every bit of the rangy safety that I think you need next to him. But um, to, to go back for a second to Malik Hooker – 
Similar sort of deal. I, I think that you are just talking about somebody who can go sideline to sideline, incredible athleticism. The the one thing, right, because uh, I'm trying to remember the timeline because it, obviously it's been a few years. So I don't think – no, he was, I guess, his last year and his best year was 2016. So you do get his best version of him, his unanimous All-America year. All these years run together, man. All these players run together <laughs> after a while. But uh, I, I like him a lot. I think that he's somebody who, uh, who, who makes a lot of sense. And he was a contributor too, uh, at least a little bit on that first title team as well. So I like it. So I also thought that I'd get my Notre Dame guy somewhere else, and we're going to go back-to-back Notre Dame here. You took Kyle Hamilton at number 18. I'm going to take Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa as my first linebacker. Browns bias. I know. Uh, JOK, man. Oh, man, his rookie year, people were all in on JOK. Wasn't quite as good sophomore season in the NFL, but as much as maybe it is a Browns bias, because I saw this guy up close, he was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year in 2020 when Notre Dame made the playoff. He was a unanimous All-American. He was the Butkus Award winner as the best linebacker in the country. He is a very specific kind of linebacker, which is a linebacker who's about the size of a safety but plays with his hair on fire. You know, again, there's some versatility here, but he's, I mean, he's a linebacker. There's no doubt about that he's a linebacker. He's maybe just a little bit of a, on the lighter side, but he's fast, man. And again, Team Doug's playing fast. So he was, I only had four linebackers that I thought were my top draftable guys because I had Isaiah Simmons listed as a linebacker. So JOK was my fourth guy and you took the first three. So I have to go find one more guy to take, but I feel good about JOK here. I think he deserves to be one of the 22 players that were taken here because I think he was that important to that Notre Dame team. No, he was absolutely somebody that if I didn't get one of those two guys that I love as run stoppers, uh, he was going to be one of my picks. I do I do think that there's an obvious second guy for you to take, I will say, but I think that uh, that JOK is absolutely somebody who b- belongs on this team. I, I love, like you said, the aggressiveness he plays with i love the athleticism that he plays with i love the way he can move i I think that like you said he is i i to me the best linebackers are converted safeties i i love that type cast for a player where you have that coverage ability because i think you can teach a guy to to hit the hole right like there there's some guys who have it more than others but i think that's something that you can teach a little bit more than just having those physical traits and and knowing how to play coverage and knowing how to read receivers and read running backs out of the backfield so jok is a great pick i think for uh and by the way he's going to be very important for you because uh i've got two tight ends who are going to try to oh, come at man. you. And I think that JOK is going to be somebody who's going to be very important because Lord knows Chase Young and Aiden Hutchinson aren't matching up with Brock Bowers. No, I'm gluing Mick, Mick Fitzpatrick to Brock Bowers. I'm, I'm glue, <laughs> oh, I'm that's, that'll tape, be a fun matchup. That'll be fun. Yeah. Wherever Brock goes, if Brock goes into the stands to get popcorn, Minka's going in the stands to get popcorn. So fine, uh, fine. Mark yeah, Andrews then will be on a JOK. Then he he will have seventeen catches. Yeah, no, we don't have anyone to stop Mark Andrews. Okay, um, let's. We got three more picks. Pick number twenty to you. All right. So we are, by the way, no longer picking for the same positions anymore. I've got a defensive lineman and some sort of defensive back left. You've got your linebacker left. I'm going to go with the easy pick for me. 
when you look at my uh, my defensive line right now, you've got sort of a flex type player in Jonathan Allen. You've got two more stand up rushers. I'll probably end up putting one of them with their hand in the dirt at least every play in Isaiah Simmons and Will Anderson. So I need a true defensive lineman. I need a gap filler. And I think the best gap filler in the NFL or uh, in college football over the last 10 years is Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis, just an absolute freak of nature. Uh, Somebody who, again, just should not move as well as he does for how freakishly massive he is. My criticism with him was that he didn't play a whole lot of plays because Georgia didn't need him to, but it does mean something to me that he was able to translate uh, on a more consistent basis to the NFL, that he still moves at a high level. And, um, you know, I think that I need somebody who can be a run stopper uh, on this defensive line. I love my linebackers to do that, but really you've got the the Georgia brain trust in some ways stopping the run for me right now with Jordan Davis, Roquan Smith, and N'Kobe Dean. I feel pretty good about that. Uh, and so I think that I can dedicate almost the rest of my team to getting after the passer and stopping the pass. So I, I like this. I think that um, that it's really difficult to run against the Jonathan Allen, Jordan Davis interior defensive line. And and I'm pretty happy where I'm at. That I, I think he had to be picked. I'm, I'm glad you picked him. I could have picked him like six picks ago and felt good about it. But um I think he had to be on this team here somewhere. So I'm going to take Joey Bosa and play him at linebacker. He can do it, right? <laughs> no? I'm not kidding. I can't. You, you have to take guys for the position that they play. And so I am – I mean, again, I, I don't know if we just think the same. I don't know if most people who studied the best players at the college football playoff for a couple hours would just come to the same conclusions as us. I don't know. Truly, I put basically the top four to five guys at every position, and the only guy that's been drafted so far that wasn't on my list is Grant Delpit, and he was barely off my list, right? So we've been in lockstep on on a lot of this stuff, and so if you say you say there's a linebacker, an obvious linebacker for me, you think? I do. I, I do think that there is a, like a relatively correct answer. Okay, so now I want to get it right. Is he an Alabama guy? He is. Is it Reuben Foster? It is Reuben Foster. Okay, he won the Butkus. He was a member of Alabama from 13 through 16, so 14, 15, 16, first three years of the playoff. He's in all of them. He's injured in 14, but he's really good in 15. He's really good in 16. He matters for a – and again, this is like early playoff Bama, which is – Run the ball defense, Bama. This is this is pre Jalen Hurts, pre Tua, pre Mac Jones, pre Bryce Young, Bama. So guys like Ruben Foster really matter. And so you can run through guys. I guess I could have taken Reggie Ragland. That's the only other guy you could have considered. Yeah, there's some defensive tackles from Bama that aren't going to get picked here. That could have. I was I covered the NFL draft in Chicago in 2016 that I think Ashawn Robinson was at. And I think I stood near him and I thought he was like the largest person I'd ever stood next to. Not just like top to bottom, but like front to back, like width. I think maybe he would have had like a 94 inch chest or something. So you can start, I mean, you could just pick Alabama defensive tackles until you're blue in the face. Right. But I do think to wrap this up with a Bama linebacker, 
I listed four linebackers. He was just off the board. But if you said he's the next, he's the obvious picker, then I feel good about it. I'll wrap with Ruben Foster as my second linebacker. Yeah, Reggie Ragland is definitely up there. I think that that's probably the other quote unquote correct pick. But Ruben Foster, to me, like you mentioned, first three years of the playoff has just a little bit of a longer career. I also just think that Reuben Foster was a little bit better than Reggie Ragland. You know, that's just a, a watching them play uh, perspective. Um, a, a total difference maker whenever Alabama was truly Alabama on the defensive side of the ball. I, I think probably the signature linebacker of the playoff era for Alabama and one of the signature defensive players. I think that Alabama's had uh, of the Nick Saban era. So to me, that's the correct pick. I, I think that, um, you know, I think that I would have considered going with him over JOK. And so I think that getting them both together makes a lot of sense. All right. That means we'll wrap it up with you. Who's the last guy in our draft? So I'm looking for a nickelback. And there's a couple different directions that I'm considering. Um, so on that list, you've got a Thorpe Ward winner in Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Not necessarily the role that I'm going to go. I think that he's just he, – he's a pure corner and he's a little too small. I think that if I get to pick my perfect player, I don't think that it's him. Somebody I'm very seriously considering is Buda Baker from Washington. Uh, somebody who I love think gets – Love Buda Baker. Yeah, love Buda Baker. The only thing that I question about with Buda Baker – is I feel like he's just a true free safety. I, I feel like he maybe doesn't fit a nickel role exactly as well as I'd like, but I don't love Kyle Hamilton there, and I don't love moving Delpit there and playing Hamilton and Baker together. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Buda Baker is a hard hitter for somebody who's not that big. Maybe I could just play him at strong safety and call it a day. Um, Kobe Bryant, another Thorpe Award winner uh, on that list. Patrick Sertan, somebody that I'm considering. Christopher Smith is another one, but again, I think that maybe he's just a little bit too much of a safety. The more that I think about it, I think I just got to go with the three best available safeties. I'm going to shift Grant Delpit down to my nickelback position, a place where I know that he'll be confident, uh, and I am going to take Buda Baker. I love getting to take a Washington player from this list. Obviously, did not have the greatest college football playoff because most teams that get that four spots do not have the best college football playoffs. But a tremendous player, uh, again, hard hitter. I think he'll do fine at strong safety, even though that's maybe not his natural uh, sort of inclination. I, I think that putting him and Kyle Hamilton together means that they are just all over the field, all, all, all over the field. You still have a big hitter in Grant Delpit. So, yeah, I mean, I I was curious how it would end up working itself out because I don't feel great about the strong safety position over the course of the playoff versus free safety and versus nickel and versus cornerback. But I think I just picked the three best available safeties and I feel pretty good about it. So I like getting another team in here at the end. I can remember being at the combine however many years ago it was and like loving Buda Baker and being like, you got to draft this guy. And he's been a good player in the NFL. I think I think it's a really good pick here. Among the guys that I really had listed that didn't make a team, I think the two best are Joey Bosa and Patrick Sertan. They're the guys that were highest up my list that didn't get picked. And then I did have Cleveland Farrell in there. So those are the three guys that I think stand out the most. Who else stands out to you among guys who didn't get picked? 
Uh, I mentioned the Clemson guys, Christian Wilkins and Dexter Lawrence. I, I think that they are absolutely incredible players, and I kind of wish that I had been able to find space for them. But again, when Will Anderson's available, you got to take him at a certain point. I think that somebody who doesn't get enough respect, partially because he played next to Minka Fitzpatrick, is Marlon Humphrey, the other cornerback on those Alabama teams. I, I don't know why. It feels like he just gets forgotten about a little bit uh, when it comes to... Uh, kind of being talked about among the best defenders of the Saban era but he was a mainstay at that cornerback position and uh, and he was also somebody who I considered just a little bit for that nickelback spot so those would be the main guys Sertan definitely on my list Bosa you know again it just didn't work out that way but he is somebody who if you're listing the top eight defensive linemen of, of the college football playoff era he should probably be closer to like three than eight but it's just that's the way that the draft goes sometimes. Would you like to guess what did not happen in this defensive draft? Is there something that stands out that did not happen? No. Are you referring to something? No Oklahoma players drafted. Did you even <laughs> have an Oklahoma player on a list anywhere? <laughs> Nowhere. No. We took five Oklahoma players in the offense draft. They were the second most represented offense. I forgot their nickname during the course of the defense draft. I was like, the Okies? What are they again? Just (laughs) not even a thought, right? (laughs) Okay. In their defense, in their defense, Kenneth Murray, a linebacker, pretty good player. They actually had some pretty good defensive players on the 2021 team, I think you could argue, but that team did not make the playoffs. So Isaiah Thomas, for example, not under consideration. Ronnie Perkins, not under consideration. Nick Benito is actually somebody uh, who, again, was on that team and is not eligible, who I think uh, deserves a lot more credit. But like, I mean, come on, you're not going to you're not going to take you know, one of these guys over the other guys. You're just not. Maybe, maybe we could go back to like the Charles Tapper days. I, I don't know, man. We are having to, to, point is no, no, we did not take any Oklahoma players and uh, none of them really ended up on any of my shortlists. You know, Ogba Okoronkwo, nice player who I'd never considered. I don't know. He's the guy whose name I at least wrote down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So which defense <laughs> do you think had the most players drafted then? Just on this defense draft, who, yeah, who won? I, I think Alabama, right? Alabama. Six. Alabama, six. Georgia, four. Okay. Ohio State, three. Interesting. Notre Dame and LSU, two each. Mm. And then one each for Florida State, Cincinnati, Washington, Clemson, and Michigan. You mentioned all the Clemson guys we thought of. Again, just a little surprising in the end. We took one Clemson offensive player and one Clemson defensive player that for a program, but for the first seven years of the playoff, were the second most dominant playoff team. I think it goes to depth of talent. I think it goes to how important their quarterbacks have been. and I. But I think it goes to that when you think about those Clemson defensive linemen, there's so many of them, it's almost hard to choose sometimes. And they've been very well coached as well. So I, it's not a shot at Clemson. And I don't think it – it doesn't mean that Clemson had been doing it with smoke and mirrors. It doesn't mean that Clemson's not ever going to get back to playoff contention again. But Bama is just loaded with A-plus dudes. And Clemson was playing right with Bama for five years with 
A or A minus guys. That's all. But guess what? A or A minus has still a high GPA. Yeah, I mean, if that's smoke and mirrors, I mean, can you ship me your smoke and your mirrors? Because my goodness, I, I would take that five year stretch. And 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 to be clear, those are Doug's words. I I think that a big part of uh, of the situation is also just most of these teams have a signature guy. Like there's a Chase Young, there's a Jeffrey Okuda, there's a, you know, a, a Jonathan Allen. That's the guy. We're looking at him. That's the guy. And I think it's one of the reasons, for example, that like, you know, Georgia only kind of got a handful of guys despite fielding two of the best defenses or three of the best defenses of the entire playoff era. They were just so balanced. We didn't consider any defensive backs from Georgia. We didn't consider, uh, you know, a, a safety from Georgia. I think that Clemson on the defensive line was so balanced that it just made it hard. And, and yeah, I will say it. I will say it. Clemson is the team I think that has been most screwed by our drafts because I think that Clemson had a number of players who were probably like the top five outs. I think that if you made a list of the top five guys on offense and defense, not to make our lists, like three of them are Clemson guys. And, and, you know, I, I actually think in some ways that's a testament to their depth of talent that they had a lot of really good players, but they didn't necessarily have, you know, a, a number of number one draft picks, even though they obviously had a handful, especially at the quarterback position. So in the end, we drafted 46 total players because we did two quarterbacks on the offensive side of the draft. So uh, we did 24 there. We did 22 defensive players in the end overall. Which team had the most players combined from the offense and defense draft? Has to be Alabama, right? Six of each. Balanced. They had the most offense. They had the most defense. They had the most overall. They almost double everybody else. It's 12 Alabama. Do you want to guess who's second? Ohio State. Ohio State. And admittedly, perhaps the fact that one of the co-hosts has covered Ohio State for the last 18 years has some effect on that. I will admit that. It's not intentional. I just have more familiarity. And so like a Malik Hooker kind of pick, right? It's not a slam dunk that Malik Hooker had to be on this team, although we didn't take Joey Bosa. But I just know how good Malik Hooker was. So He was on my list, by the way. Okay. I don't think it's biased, but it might be skewed by familiarity. Bama 12, Ohio State 7, Georgia 5, LSU 5, Oklahoma 5. Oklahoma 5 offense, 0 defense. Clemson (laughs) 2, Michigan 2, Florida State 2, Notre Dame 2. And then Cincinnati, Washington, TCU, and Oregon, one each. How do you think we did trying to draft these two all-star teams from the playoff era? I think it makes a lot of sense. I I think that we picked the right guys. Uh, I think it's a testament, by the way, to what George is doing, that after only three playoff appearances, they have that many guys on the list, and especially their dominance of the linebacker position with Roquan Smith and N'Kobe Dean and, and a couple of obviously key guys on the offensive side as well. So. I think it feels about right. I think that if you were to look at the first, whatever, nine, eight years of the playoff, we've done, I think, a a pretty good look at how it's been. You know, I think that Alabama has been the dominant team in college football. And by the way, because, you know, I want to get more people mad at the internet on me. This is why I'm mad at Ohio State for only winning one title, because they have the second most by a good amount. And they have 
one title and one other title game to show for it. When Clemson has two titles and more title game appearances, that that's the standard, man. That's just the standard. Georgia's won multiple national championships. Ohio State has. They have more players on this list. That's why I get mad at them. But that's a, another conversation. There have been total 14 programs that have made the college football playoff. 13 of them had at least one player drafted. Do you know who was the only program that didn't get a single person? Was it uh, the Connor Cook boys at Michigan State? It was. Oh, can I change my vote to Connor Cook? <laughs> it was Connor Cook. It was Connor Cook, Michigan State. Well, well, listen, listen. I all <laughs> all I know is that if Connor Cook was more of a leader, then maybe they would have scored at least one point in the college football playoff. <laughs> Got to do that to Connor Cook. 2015, <laughs> um, just tough. Shalik Calhoun as a defensive end was a guy I wrote down. Very nice Michigan player State. who never gets Very it. good player. Like Joey Bosa didn't make it. So like Shalik Calhoun's not going to make it. Sorry, man. <laughs> Cleveland Farrell didn't make it. Cleveland Farrell was like the heartbeat of multiple playoff teams. So Sorry. That's just the way it is. But I feel good. We're pretty representative otherwise. You know, like we got a Washington guy in. We got an Oregon guy in. We got a TCU guy in, at least on one side of the ball. So we're, you know, trying to spread it around, spread the love here in the College Football Survivor Show. All right, Shahan, what what are you working on at CBS Sports that people should be on the lookout for? Anything uh, percolating over there? Yeah, I've uh, I've been mentioning that story that I'm putting together on transfers, and it's finally, I think, in the next week or so, going to be coming out. That that was a fun one, actually. I got to talk to a, uh, an assistant at Arizona State. I got to talk to a player who's now at SMU. I got to talk to somebody on Florida State staff, and basically just like, hey, man, like I we see the tweets come out. Then what happens? And I got a little bit of an inside look into here's how we're DMing teenagers and here's our strategy for it. And so, but it, but it's actually really interesting. I got some insight on kind of how uh, things have changed now that there's a short window to do it. So make sure and check that out at cbssports.com. But otherwise, I mean, I am trying to enjoy my deep breath before spring football starts because it's coming. It's coming. Um we will be doing – we'll probably talk a little bit about the Combine next week when this whole thing is wrapped up. I'm get, I'm here the whole time. I'm, I'm in Indianapolis right now. I'll be here through Saturday when the final player interviews take place on Saturday. So we'll have some fresh stuff next week. And, again, some schools have already started spring football. Others are starting next week. This is This is that time of year. So we'll make sure we start getting into spring football, what we're watching, where the competitions are, that kind of thing. But for now, we always appreciate you guys making the College Football Survivor Show, part of your week. Again, as you know, two free episodes every week now. On the last one, we talked about what's happening in the Pac-12, what's happening in the ACC, what might it mean for the futures of some teams in those leagues in terms of realignment possibly. But sometimes we just like to get down and talk about football players. So we had fun with this one. For now, for Shahan Jeharaja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.